Welcome to Musician. I'm your host, Andrew LaPau. Let's start the show. Today, I've got Derek McCullough on the show, um, Nashville-based drummer who's been playing with Mitch Rossell, and uh, he got to spend two years on the road with Daryl Singletary. And if you don't know who Daryl Singletary is, uh, I suggest you go um, look him up on Google and Spotify and uh, listen to a song called Old Violin. Um. Daryl Singletary is considered to be one of the greatest country singers of all time. Um, And it was a real loss. Um, He died suddenly after a gig. Um, And he was young. And he was super talented. And, uh, you know, a great performer. And Derek uh, really talks about his time spent on the road with Daryl. And we talk about gigs in Nashville. and his time with Mitch Russell opening for Garth Brooks. So we share some road stories. Um, and yeah, without further ado, here's my interview with Derek McCullough. Enjoy. I'm happy you made it out here today. Thanks for coming Me by. too. Me too, man. It feels weird to be like, okay, now the mics are on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, this is kind of how I do it. Um, we just kind of get in here and we end up just talking about some shit. So what's that tattoo? This is a tattoo of a cricket sitting on a leaf. Uh, it's in honor of my wife's father who passed away. And it was a a sketch that he did on the back of some paperwork. Uh-huh. And so I had it tattooed on Oh, wow. oh that's really sweet. And then I played with uh, a band with Mitch Rossell. And when he first met me, he asked about my tattoo like that. And um, so now all those guys call me Cricket. It's like my nickname in the in the group. Oh, okay. And where's that group based out of? Out of Nashville. Oh, okay. Cool. Are you still playing with them? Yeah, with Mitch. Mm-hmm. He uh, is trying to get some stuff going, and I think he's making some good headway. He's been writing with Garth. and Oh, yes. You know, yeah. He uh, has been on tour with Garth for the past couple years. And um, now Garth, you know, it's taking a break, but I think he might be coming back and doing another little tour, possibly. And and you got to open up for Garth in, where were you, in Texas, open up for Garth? I've opened a couple of times. Um, all of them were really incredible experiences because they were all completely different types of shows um, for different reasons. But the first two were in Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena, mm-hmm. and you know, sixteen thousand people, you know, just all eyes on you. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had a good time. And then was the, a, but like the 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 Garth Brooks crowd did were did you get to play or were people there to see the opener and Garth or was it kind of like I th- the way Garth makes his show makes mm-hmm. it seem like. The opener is yeah a big deal because he doesn't have just 
yeah. opening bands. He, it's people that they've plucked that they feel need a voice mm-hmm. and music in. That's what I would figure, because when you go to a Garth Brooks concert, you you go for that big experience. Even like the pre-show, I saw him at Ascend, and even before yeah. anybody came on, it was a video of Garth that you had to watch him right. talking to you from backstage, right? like it were a live feed or something. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, it's just really interesting. Like he's he's such the grandiose showman of you know man. With the, he his shows are full on from you know for three hours he's running up and down mm-hmm. and singing yeah. like the whole time yeah he doesn't even he's not even like on ears or anything he no just, no shit yeah there's like um, monitors under the floors that point up at him and he he can hear himself all over the uh, uh, entire stage wherever he's at um. And he also is, is his own hype man, which I kind of realized, like, when he'll, he'll, he'll be singing yeah. and he'll go, yeah, like, <laughs> you know. Like but the thing it. is, he really is that kind yeah, of yeah. No, no. I mean, it's not like it's fake at all. It's, you know, he mm-hmm. is like that about every single thing in his life. Mm-hmm. He's just like, it, he's kind of crazy, but, you know. In a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, and at the end of his concert, he really thanked, I'm wondering if you noticed him saying at the end of the ones that you played, like, he's like, all I ever wanted to do was be George Strait, and like, you made that happen, help me make that happen. I was right. like, whoa, what a vision to have, right. and like, I'm going to shoot for that, and then like, top it. Um, yeah, man. So, yeah, uh, he's taking Mitch under his wing, and mm-hmm. and I think it's still going, he's writing with him, and things are going on I, you know mitch doesn't have a record deal now okay and he but he's the kind of one of those artists that could probably make it without any label or anything he just mm-hmm. you know totally independent but he's got a fan base he does he has mm-hmm. a huge fan base yeah so but he's and just one of the many people i have been playing with mm-hmm. but I'm sure if he wanted to tour his agency could just get him going oh yeah yeah oh that's yeah. great but mitch is trying to like do things on his own anyway he knows what he wants and he's going for it mm-hmm. it's i've been playing with him for like five ye- years five or six years mm-hmm. and uh you know he's one of those songwriters where you're like holy moly this guy can write a song mm-hmm. he has this one song recently that's not out yet but he uh man it's a tearjerker like when you hear it you go, oh my gosh, and you hear it again, you're like, oh my god. <laughs> What's it called? It's, um, I think he calls it Sun. Sun, okay, S-O-N? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that's, he's just an incredible songwriter. Um, and you, I mean, you just had a loss, Daryl Singletary. Yeah. You know. Tragic, man. Yeah. Uh. I played with him for a couple of years and it was like some, it was the best music I've played in my life. Just mm-hmm. that old style country music with Daryl Singletary. Mm-hmm. His voice is mm-hmm. was amazing. He could do anything with it. And I got to sing harmony with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm covering Rhonda Vincent's super high harmonies <laughs> and, and trying to follow Daryl. And he never sang it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the same twice. Yeah. And 
he would try to juke me really with curls and stuff and i'd follow him and catch him on it nice and oh he, man he'd give me that look you know like you heard that buddy you know <laughs> yeah uh yeah he was uh, a great person to know and play for how did how did you guys end up playing together i know this guy named phil valdez do you know phil Mm-mm. guitar player in nashville okay he was playing guitar for daryl and i had known phil for a couple years and um, we were playing a gig at honky tonk central a morning shift nobody was there i was on cajon mm-hmm. phil was on guitar and tim gore was singing and we were setting up and he turned around and he goes hey do you want to go on the road? And I said, well, yeah. He's like, well, uh, Daryl Singletary, Singletary is looking for a drummer. And mm-hmm. and I there was no audition. Like, I was just given, you know, 40 songs mm-hmm. to learn in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And my first gig was the audition. Mm-hmm. Well, I had the, we did the sound check. <laughs> and uh, we played three songs. And I think he picked different um, you know, a slower song and a really difficult, faster song. And then we were done. He went in the trailer or in the bus. And, and then we, I got on the bus and Phil was like, come here, Derek. And he took me out. He was like, Daryl, like, want you in after that, after that <laughs> nice. uh, sound check. I was like, okay. And uh, I went into the bus again and uh, Daryl was there. And he's like, son, you knew those songs better than we do. Like you did a great job, and we're gonna have a good gig, and it was just like yeah. that, you know. That's great. It's fun. Um, he, I mean, people when he passed, people were saying he was like the the youngest or the last of the best singers. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's always there's well, a lot of great singers, but they. I guess when people are like like one of the, the last great one is gone, they're saying like just with that resonant voice and an like a, almost like you can't put your finger on why yeah. that sounds right so right right you know what i mean i know i mean obviously you know what i mean but the, from when when i hear him i go what that's how you're supposed that's how right. it's done that's because he just grew up i mean he is the real deal when you say a real deal like he is just country as hell mm-hmm. and a smart guy and um, he, the stuff he listened to, George Jones and all that stuff, Merle, mm-hmm. you know, that was his, just what he was into, mm-hmm. just everything he could do was, that was him, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he, his knowledge of all that stuff, he could sing, he pulled out so many songs I never heard, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just, he was easy to play with. I could figure out what was going on and. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to worry that I wasn't going to do a good job. And and from when he was like, you know, in when was like his beginning, like the late nineties? It was like ninety four, ninety five, ninety four, ninety five. And then he kind of had another slew of minor hits right. in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he just kept working consistently. Oh yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, he would, he's been working. Don't think he's ever taken a yeah a break. He's always just playing and playing as much as he can. And he had a, has a family, you know, and he, uh, he was doing it for them. And mm-hmm. he was playing, just, playing in the honky tonks all around the country. Yeah, 
doing the festivals. Yeah, just yeah, anything, anything. Anything, yeah. A lot of uh, benefits and mm-hmm. fairs. There's a great video of him. I forget what song it is, but it's him singing. It's almost like he's in like a retirement home or something, singing to a circle of older folks, and he's sitting in a chair with a microphone. And if there's a band or something, they're not on screen, and he's just yeah. sitting and he's singing. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, I've seen that clip. Yeah. That's, I forget what that's called. It's a TV show. That, oh, okay. A long-running TV show. <laughs> okay. Um, I forget what it's called, but yeah, they just kind of pass the mic uh-huh. and do that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. <laughs> the, yeah, the, it's just, it's like spellbinding. Um, so... So, yeah, we do miss the loss of Daryl Singletary. And if anyone's listening to this, you should go check out his music. Um, If you like, if you're a real fan of country music and powerful singing. Yeah, and great songs. Yeah. had some good songs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we were talking about, well, we were talking about Texas, and then we were talking about working in town. Is there, like, two roads that we can converge in a wood and we can go talk about working downtown we can talk about texas what do you want to do i don't know um there's not much i can really say about texas because i went to college uh, at texas tech and and i majored in music and i was there for six years and uh played in every ensemble they offered orchestral mm-hmm. you know wind ensembles and percussion ensembles and steel drum band and mm-hmm. jazz band and like I was in everything and um so I didn't have time to like play in a band growing up mm-hmm. and uh not until really till I moved to Nashville where I started actually working consistently as a drummer yeah so I I feel we kind of have a similar background in that way because we've done music academically. Yeah. Um, and when you do academic music, you're learning a lot and you're doing a lot of different varied projects. And so you're becoming capable and multidisciplinary. Right. But you're never thrown into something where you, that's the only thing you do. Right. Um, which is, I guess, you know, the liberal arts education of, kind of music conservatories now which almost seem like they're obsolete anymore i mean yeah if i mean i've said this a a few times mostly off mic but like you're gonna drop one hundred twenty thousand dollars on an education like you're really gonna learn it you're gonna drop one hundred twenty thousand dollars to get a piece of paper that says you play viola that seems like the only one that actually makes sense (laughs) because you if you're playing viola you're you need to go to that those schools to get those yeah you know, those uh, criteria to meet those requirements to get in those orchestras. Sure. But, you know, I, I went to grad school to go learn like studio composition. That's what I have my, my degree in. And, uh, but that's so much more of like you throw, like I did it in two ways. I went to school cause I liked it and I already had a music degree. Um, and I was working in bands, but, um, like, and then I went and I worked in a studio and like, you don't do anything when you work in a studio. If you, there's another engineer, you know, like yeah. if you're like interning or whatever. So yeah. it seems like Nashville is a place where you just go, okay, I'm going to throw myself into this. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to play drums for people. That's the only way people. you can do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a weird thing. Cause I, did you, 
had you come to Nashville before you moved here, or did you just kind of say you were going to do it? I had been here a couple of times, mm-hmm. not for very long, and I knew it was a nice place and had a cool vibe, but I never spent time doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I was there for a couple of jobs that were not related to playing music, and um, I we were living in Indianapolis at the time, and it was too cold for us, and I told... Carrie, my wife, I was like, if you can find a job in Austin or Nashville, whichever one uh, you get a job in first, she's a teacher, we'll move there. And she applied to Nashville and got a job. Yeah. And so we said, we're going to Nashville. And that was it. Sweet. When was this? Um, 07. Oh, okay. So yeah, you've been here about a little over a decade. Yeah. You've seen it really change. I've seen it all change. Do you like where it's now? Um, I think there's a lot of work for Broadway musicians and um, also work to do with the clubs dealing with musicians and stuff. It seems like there's a lot of heads budding down there. But when you're down there too much, you start to realize it's all like high school drama. <laughs> and, and um, <laughs> man, my motto is... I've been thinking about this a lot. The phrase, it is what it is. Oh, man. You know, I, I try to, when I get upset about stuff now, I just think, it is what it is. You know, you can f- do your best to do your best, mm-hmm. but situations are just going to happen and you're just going to roll with it. Yeah. Um, also, nobody seems, the audience is getting so dumbed down. Yeah. With the alcohol abuse. Yeah. I mean, like, people come and they go, drink, yeah, take a shot of whiskey, drink a beer. When yeah. I moved here, it wasn't such a frat binge drinking city when I moved here. Right. Yeah, that's hard to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> At least. No, I just I just know that, like, you know, Nashville still got a lot of crowds, but that was before Nashville had even second floor bars. You right. know, Tootsie's had, like, the two stages, and then they made the third rooftop stage and that like seemed to have changed everything um because now it's funny yeah there's a lot of work there's more stages there's more places to play um but it's catering to the the party scene the get drunk and party scene uh which i mean for someone i guess i've been doing it for a while more than a college 10 years worth of time doing it yeah and you have two um just to watch it, like, devo- like you know, it's kind of like you're watching the freshmen come in and they're just, like, binge drinking. And you're like, ah, I've been there, done that. <laughs> I kind of want to get serious. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can't get serious around these parts. Well, you know, Broadway's a base for musicians just because your job is to sell alcohol. Right. You know, they don't care about the music. Club owners don't care about that stuff like we do. Yeah. You know? Um, they're using us as a tool to get people to drink. So there's a lot of bands that might be mediocre, but they can get the yeah. get the drinks yeah. flowing. Yeah. And then there's some great bands that are just doing stuff that people don't want to hear, and they don't get the job anymore. So it still like perpetuates itself, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it. it it's funny who who kind of in who gets kind of. Uh, turned out i mean it at the end of the day like if you want to play downtown and, and play broadway and you really want to do that it's totally feasible it's totally yeah. attainable you don't have to 
you just have to go do that. Right. Um, and it's decent money. And it's a good place to meet yeah. people and good musicians. and Yeah. Um, I really like... Well, you and I... I don't know. Have I, I feel like you... I've played the most gigs with you mm. and Daniel Rangel. Um, I think those are like the, the... You and him are the two guys I've played the most gigs with. Really? Only because of the... I think so. And maybe a, and Adam Puff. Okay. On drums. Yeah. So, I've always had a great time playing because I play with some of the three best drummers, you know, in town. Aww. Yeah. And I'm not just trying to, like, fluff you here. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's good because if you don't have... A, if you're a guitar player and you're not playing with a drummer that is musical or, or tight, it fucks your guitar playing up. Oh, I know. Um, and, and also, like, you know, I play with guys like Tyrone on bass. And then you guys as a, like, as a rhythm section. Yeah. And then pushing a music forward and then we can all kind of have that... Right. It's telepathic. funny when you can figure out... Man, you know, being a drummer and trying to keep everybody in time is an interesting position to be in in a band, you know? <laughs> yeah. You've got to, like, watch and listen, and sometimes there's, like, one guy who's doing fine, but it just doesn't seem, you know, like the band is gluing together and you're just trying to get it to happen. And then that one guy might leave the stage and, you know, let the band sing and like all of a sudden it's tight again. And then it's like, Oh man, it's like everybody's listening to different inflections of his playing and interpreting it. Not the same, you yeah. know, cohesive. Yeah. And when you get together you're like, Oh, we can play. Well, yeah. Well, I just really know like, tightly as a band, like if, if Harold's band was, like you did that hour long set right with him and and Chad Caprio for that private party. Yes. Like was that just like the smoothest, yes, most efficient band machine yes. that you could have? Yeah. Yes. I mean, just to come. It was funny because there was another band playing after us, and they were, and they were like original music, and they were tight, and and I was like, okay, this is not a Broadway band mm-hmm. playing and they sound checked <laughs> they took like and played like six songs and <laughs> at, at, this is at the rooftop of the stage oh okay and man they had a long real sound check so we were like oh and so we sound checked <laughs> after them <laughs> we went check one two check one two check one two and then we played Rock me, mama, like a wagon wheel. And we stopped and we got off the stage. <laughs> we're, like, we're playing for an hour. I don't care how it sounds. It sounds fine. It sounds Man. fine. Oh, dude. Just whatever it sounds like, let's just play. We'll make a hundred bucks. That's so funny. For an hour. Were they just playing an hour too? That band after you? Was that like I think so. Hours? I don't know. I oh bolted. <laughs> that was so funny because I remember like, those those are the worst road stories. Is the is the <laughs> awful awful sound checks, like uh, going up to Cincinnati yeah. and the uh, and the the band that was playing before was like it was actually like a major label yeah. band, and they I think brought their own sound person to like not a big venue. It yeah. was uh, it was like a um, Toby Keith. 
I love this bar and grill back when those oh, were yeah. around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, the soundtrack took like eight into our set time by like a half hour because uh, the singer couldn't, like just couldn't deal with the feedback in the place. I'm still getting feedback over here. I still hear a little bit of feedback right here, right here. What is that? What is that? Can we try another song? Play through a whole other song. What is that? I still hear it. It's like, damn. Well, we're still getting paid, but fuck that. Like, right. Right. <laughs> um, oh, man. That's kind of one of those it is what it is situations, yeah, 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 too. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of fun to see. It's fun to go to like a small town. Like we did several of these with Daryl. You know, we're playing there shrimp fest or something like that in louisiana and it's a fun crowd and everybody's happy and it's neat to see that a different part of the world like that and um i forgot i lost my train of thought but the sound check oh yeah the sound check uh you know you go to these places and it's joe joe and his sound equipment And because of his lack of knowing how to do a sound check, it takes like three hours, you know. And then you get to places where the dudes are pro and it takes like 20 minutes to do a sound check. Everything's ready to go. I love it. It's such a wonderful feeling. Yeah. But it's just one time with Daryl, we showed up at a place and they just could not get the console working. Mm -hmm. And I have limited knowledge of that stuff. Um. But we sat there, we sat there, and then we went and ate, and then we came back, and we sat there, and we sat there. <laughs> Finally, I got up, and I was like, what is the deal, guys? Like, we got a sound check. We've been here like two and a half hours, haven't even played a note. Well, you just can't get... It says 24 inputs, but underneath it, it says another... It goes to 48. And so... Oh, we have all the ch- uh, channels plugged into one to twelve, or no twenty four, and then, uh, but we can't figure out how to switch it because we have all your drums are on there, like on forty eight. I don't know how. To, uh, I just looked at the console and hit one button. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> and just lit up. <laughs> the faders go. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> we were staring at that button the whole time. Those little things, like, yeah, you can relate to that, but man, do they drive you insane when you're there. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I just think it's the worst sound check I ever experienced in my whole life was also in Louisiana. Yeah. In Shreveport. Yeah. At this little they little have, little pool hall. Bless their hearts. They just have a different way of doing things, you know. Louisiana is Louisiana one of my favorite places yeah, cool. in the world. Um it's like another country. It is. There. It's it's the fucking I love that place, and because we, me and Chris Watts, who um, I play guitar for, when um, he's in town, we did a road thing. We went to Shreveport, um, went to uh, what's it called Alexandria, and we went to New Orleans. And he's from Central Louisiana, so like mm-hmm. he's like showing the whole band like where he's from, and it's like. And, like, we, we finish up playing, like, this sold-out gig, sweet gig. Uh, he's not going to kill me if I say this story, but this, <laughs> uh, we played this whole sold-out gig. We made way more money than we thought we were going to walk away with that. Like, green room, 
food, amazingly catered gig. Anyway, it was a great gig. And then we just go just a couple miles down the road to like the divest bar with him and his home friends. And he's just like, all right, we're going to get in a fight tonight. Because <laughs> that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. And then and then when they go on the vacation, they spend their weekend puking on Broadway, <laughs> fighting in the streets. Yeah. Um, man, yeah, there's some crazy fights now downtown. That I've... Have you seen that one that mm. went viral? The one that was outside Piranhas? Yeah. Uh, man. And then there was, just outside the window of Paradise <laughs> is like... You just see people picking fights with military. It's just a good spot to fight, I guess. Outside. Right there. At Paradise. Yeah. Outside the window. Because you got the loud music blaring outside. Yeah, I guess so. You got the loud music. You got... I mean, the funny thing, they have so much security outside that area. Yeah. That it's just guys looking like, don't fuck with me. Yeah. And I think that triggers people. <laughs> like, I'm going to get a fight with, with the guys that look like they can fight. Right. Idiots. Yeah. Drunk idiots. I yep. saw... Man, I saw a guy get thrown out literally onto his face, and and he was so drunk. Took three security guards to just and this guy was huge. They launched him into the air, and he landed straight on his face. And then he was like, "Oh!" And then he got up, and he was just like, "Come on!" Like he put up his dukes. They're like, "No, like get. We're just getting you away from the bar." Right. And then the cops came, and the guy was like trying to fight with the cops. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous job we've got. Yep. Yeah, everyone from outside of town, they're like, oh, dude, you're like living a really intense life. <laughs> like, yeah, it never ends. <laughs> never <laughs> Until... ends. Yeah, I told my wife, you know, it's going to be like this forever. You know, if I, I'm going to be a musician and this is what we do. Luckily, she's very understanding, but it's like, you know. I'm going to be playing a lot sometimes, and then I'm not going to be playing a lot sometimes. Yeah. I'm going to be playing this gig I don't want to do, but then sometimes I get to play at the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you you talk to anybody, it's like any any successful musician has already done the worst gigs Yeah, that you can imagine. And and, and I'm not saying these, these gigs are, compared to the worst gigs, these gigs oh, are sure. fantastic. Yeah. Like, we can gripe about... About yeah, everybody. The conditions yeah. the downtown, but I mean, like some of the people you get to play with, oh, yeah. some of the people you'll ever best uh -huh. people you'll ever get to play with. Some people are scared. Uh, there was the one thing that I, I really didn't like about. Um, uh, I won't say I won't say like names or anything, but I was watching a TV show and there and there was a band from Nashville on there, and they were talking shit about musicians on Broadway, and they were like a really young Nashville band, huh. and I was like. He was like, does anybody, the host was like, does anybody come to Nashville and, like, really suck? Like, can you suck here? And there, and one guy it was just like, we should take him down to Broadway. Oh, my god! And I told, I told Tyrone that. And he was just like, what the fuck? Like, you'll see the scariest, most amazing musicians yeah. on Broadway. Yeah. I mean, I know what they're saying when it comes yeah. to, like, the general. Sometimes there's a shift and, like, I saw people at... <laughs> Was it at Crossroads and they were just like a Metallica cover band, which was so <laughs> weird. Um, but uh, no, man. I mean, 
Yeah, people. Some. I feel like the shitty when when a band sucks. It's not because the band sucks. It's because there's a really weak link that happened at the last minute. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like somebody... oh, it's a new bass player. He doesn't uh-huh. know. He doesn't know songs. Uh-huh. So there's no glue at all. Um, I'm never like. Sometimes I'm in there and like, or the singer sucks. I feel like. <laughs> You know, right. <laughs> you know, right. like some, but the singer doesn't suck totally. The singer's ha- maybe it doesn't. It, the singer's having a bad day. I think it just depends on where you're looking for music yeah. on on Broadway. I mean, there, and what time of day, man? You're not gonna see like the most amazing band ten to two because they're just it's a party band, mm-hmm. you know. And they they are great bands and they play the top stuff just like it's supposed to be on. the record Mm -hmm. i'm sure i I mean i don't really spend a lot of time listening to music downtown but i figured yeah there's are some good bands but if you go to like roberts or layla's Layla's. like in the middle of the day on a weekday oh my lord there's some really good music or legends Mm -hmm. you know yep yeah legend those three vince marino and his bands i mean there's legends of country music that play on the street you know, uh, do you know Tom Killen? Uh, I was going to say Tom Killen. Uh, I've played with Tom Killen, and yeah. that was easily one of my favorite gigs my entire life. Yeah, I've, I've, he was out on the road with Daryl. Oh yeah, like a part half the time I was with Daryl. Oh cool. And uh, so I was on the road with him for a while and spent a lot of time with him. He's like my, you know, mm-hmm. granddad. That's in you know actually he's not that as old as he was really young when he was playing with George Jones. Mm-hmm. And so he's not as old as you think he might be, just because of he played with George Jones for like thirty years. <laughs> oh no, he's no, he's a working dude. I, I ran into him Man, the he's other day. Just good. Oh my god, he's the, he's one of those real deals. You yeah, know, that's the music that's out there. You just gotta like poke your head in and go. Well, the, with, you know, and I mean, realize what they're doing. I'll never forget that gig because of the interaction that he and I had. It was at uh-huh. AJ's uh-huh. and. Um, that's what it, Cassie LeBeau yeah. was singing. Yeah. You know, the way she sings great. Mm-hmm. She is, can sing all that stuff yeah. amazingly. Scotty Schultz on drums and Mark Robichaud on bass yep. and Tom Killen to my right on pedal steel. And just he and our amps were like right next to each other. Mm-hmm. So it's just like like the, the, the sonic caliber yeah. of what a guitar player and a steel guitar player can create uh-huh. by stacking their harmonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, at the end of every song, we just, like, tip the hat. Or, like, he'd, like, just shake my hand. He'd be like, that was, thank you. And then we would just be like, dude, this is, like, we were both enjoying it so much. And he, I remember he um, he came in. And this is attended to. This is, like, party time. Right. Um, and, uh, and he came in. He's like, I came here to have fun and play country music. And I was like, isn't that the most fucking, like, yeah. yes, that's the reason. That's why he moved to Nashville. <laughs> When I was playing with Daryl, just before I left, he uh, was planning on doing like um, a George Jones tribute show with George Jones's mm-hmm. old band, mm-hmm. and um, he oh, asked he asked me to sing harmony and like play rhythm guitar. Really? Yeah. Huh. And um, with did, you play rhythm guitar a, a little bit. Okay. I can play chords I and I can learn songs. Yeah. And I know some. I know a couple of songs really well that makes it look like I can play the guitar, but I don't have a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. time to devote to that. Yeah. But uh, 
anyway, with uh, it, yeah, so I got to play with uh, George Jones's band with Daryl singing and singing harmony with them. When they never did the show, but we had a rehearsal. It was so awesome oh, to have man. the original, you know, these all George all these Jones old, songs, all George Jones songs with the guys that played with for decades for George Jones. You know, they hadn't even played since uh, George had died. They all kind of retired, you know, mm-hmm. and they got back together for that rehearsal. And it was like all this muscle memory from an entire life. Of knowing and playing with George Jones just laid it down, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. they were like, "Oh man, I forgot about that part and this <laughs> and that." And remember when George did this and you know, it's really cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Tom Tom Killen, he's he's great. He's he does. Yeah, I, we should go see him on Mondays at uh, Roberts. He plays the late nights at some oh. Mondays. Um, if you ever have time, yeah. but yeah, I was trying because like he, I know he's like a friend of mine that plays down there, and oh yeah, and when I saw him the other day, he was just like, he's like, hey, Andrew, sound good, and I was like, oh dude, like I just feel like I need to practice, <laughs> and he's like, I never practice, I'm working so much. He's like, I got my cows, <laughs> he got, I, I got about twenty herd of them back in, uh, on the farm, and man, I got these heifers that are. I'm like, man, why are you telling? He me? loves his cows. I mean, he he loves told me his about cows. his cows. When he met. doesn't care about if you don't know anything about it. He'll tell you about his cows, man. It's funny. That'd be cool. Set up the pedal steel out in the field to the place of the cows. <laughs> right. Um. Well, shit, man. We've been running on 36 minutes. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I just think that just to kind of bring it full circle yeah. to um, what we were talking about before, like it does seem like if you're you still need to chase gigs down in this town, you can't get too complacent with the right. gigs you have, right? Um, and you know, I I kind of got complacent with like, okay, I got all these gigs. I've been playing Fridays for years, you know, like never have to worry about what I'm doing on a Friday. No road. I'm playing Friday, Saturday in town. Yeah. Sundays maybe, and then maybe I'll pick up a Tuesday or Wednesday or, yeah. or a Thursday or yeah. Thursday's regular, and then you're just like, okay, just I'm gonna coast on that. But then shit changes. Yep. But I think it changes for the better. I do know? too. I mean, I've played with a ton of different people, and it things just come and go, and that's just kind of how it's like fluid like that. Yeah. And once you get used to that, yeah. you can kind of work with it and not worry when like you. Or a little slow yeah. for a couple of weeks. It it'll pick back up, man. Especially yeah. if you know people just. Well, yeah. Especially if you're available. Like yeah. people need people that are going to be available. Yeah. And if this is what you do, and you like, you know, sometimes people call you. Who's off the road? Someone says off the road. Are you curious? Are you serious? Well, I'll pick them up, put them right back on the road, or I'll put them in this gig. Yeah. Um. Do you have any desire to go on the road anymore? Oh yeah. I'm. I'd like to experience the. A bigger like a bus tour yeah yeah and i think mitch has the potential to yeah to do it um it's he's going through all the you know it's it's a lot of work mm-hmm. to do and he's met a lot of influential people yeah <laughs> and um and but he's doing it on his own with real talent yeah and uh, he's got a great voice and i if that happened 
I don't think I'd really want to chase like a big thing again if it doesn't happen, you know, mm-hmm. or or I'd just like to experience that where you're playing in large venues consistently and traveling on a bus where yeah. you can sleep. Yeah. Some people complain about bus. I love bus travel, man. It's like it's a time machine. Mm-hmm. You know, you get on this time machine, you go to sleep, you wake up, you're where you're supposed to play. You play, you get back on the time machine, and you wake up in your home. <laughs> yeah. And now with podcasts and, you know, streaming music through your phone, it's just like time flies. And you can put fucking movies oh, yeah. on your phone now. Yeah. Video games. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're a gamer, right? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like that was the thing that you had to choose between in high school. <laughs> like, am I going to continue right. to be a video game addict, or am I going to get serious about playing guitar? Because my... That's a was, time suck, for I, sure. I, like, made it a point to beat the video... If I got a game, uh-huh. I would just spend all my That's, time with that. I'm currently doing that. Yeah. Uh, with the game, and it's like, man, I should be doing <laughs> a lot of other things. It's so sweet. It's <laughs> calling me back. <laughs> it's, man, it's addictive. They're made for it to be addictive. I know. Those bastards. No, man, that's how it goes. That's that's how you sell shit. Yep. You gotta get people addicted to it. You gotta get people addicted to our playing so we never <laughs> never get fired. You know, okay, but the thing about being fired is like, you're never fired. I think that's, this is actually, now after 40 minutes of talking, this is the point that I've always tried to make to myself was like if you're f- actively firing people you're fucking up in the game of the music industry yeah because it's an on-call job you get a call yeah just because you get a hundred calls and then you stop getting calls doesn't mean you got fired it right. means someone else got hired <laughs> right but you didn't do anything wrong uh-huh. it's just man in an artistic environment yeah. The the director of a movie gets to choose their crew, you know, and the singer gets to choose their crew and they're right. looking for something to, and that's the whole thing. Like and then you go and someone goes, Oh, I'm gonna hire that guy. He used to play with so and so and so and so and I love his feel. It's yeah. not like they were incapable of doing their job correctly like a like a plumber. It's just uh I don't know. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I've been yeah, exactly. Well, you're working for yourself, and to me, as long as I'm just busy playing with whoever and trying to find those people that I click with, too, you know, as long as I'm doing that, it doesn't, you know, I definitely don't feel like I was getting fired from a band mm-hmm. if they stopped calling me for some reason. It's like, well, yeah. And, and also, if sometimes... you make a big deal about it, they won't call you back. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you yeah, 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 for so sure. So just like, well, find just you find another gig. Yeah, totally. You know. um, sometimes you go like I'll get called. I need a guitar player, and then I go, and it's like the whole band is new each time. Right. And I'm like, why can't they hang on to any musicians? Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I've been there. So, I think it's also the way they conduct business. Like this, this guy's friend of mine. He he just keeps getting shafted by the venue that he plays at it's like you're just gonna yeah. keep doing that like keep getting shafted just go find more work don't yeah. keep putting up with that treatment yeah there's lots of other places <laughs> in this town they're propping up more yeah some are getting closed down but what's getting closed down like family wash closed down uh places over here i didn't know that i always talk about the building the building was the best venue um it's now a tattoo parlor 
uh, yeah. But uh, a place called Radio Cafe opened up recently up on Gallatin. It's like closer to hmm. Madison. Then there's D's Country Cocktail Lounge. Man. That's a cool spot. Um, but they're not like, you know, paying the same amount of money as, right. you know, Tin Roof. Is right. Paying. Um, the lo- this new place over on 24th called The Country changed its name to The Local. Uh, is this all different types of music in these venues or is it mostly country? Mostly original music. Yeah. And then sometimes like some, like a country band. Or, right. um, not a lot of cover stuff. I'll tell you where a place to see and hear real good country music. And the musicians that can do it are all playing out in the Music Valley by the Opryland. By Nashville Palace? Yes. Nashville Palace and Music City Bar and Grill and scoreboards over there. Man, there's a real good musicians and country music over there okay and that's a there's tons of parking and nobody really it's not broadway nobody really goes there and scott peterson is bartending out there right at national uh i think i saw that on facebook yeah (laughs) Yeah, i think that's what i saw too yeah man i should go i should go out there and get a drink and there's some crazy pickers and singers just doing real good old um country music yeah we can go there Damn. if you want we're close by um well that's good that's a good way to leave it yeah scoreboards yeah Nashville Palace Music, music City, City Bar, Bar and Grill. Grill yeah cool good places to hear country music <laughs> thanks Derek thank you man I'd like to thank Derek McCullough again for coming on the podcast uh we definitely cover a lot of ground in that one talking about politics of Broadway or just the experience of playing on Broadway in Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, some people do it so much. It's, it's the only, uh, the gigs they rely on. And, um, it's, it's definitely a world where if you're not in it, you might not get it that much. Even if you're a musician, you might not even get it. Um, I can't really equate it to any other type of knowledge that I know other than someone who's been a freelance musician his whole life. Um, uh, that's an interesting takeaway, but I really love getting into conversations with people, especially this one and Derek. Uh, we could talk about uh, conceptual things musically. Um, most of the gigs I've done with Derek have been uh, really long. I've played with Derek for about you know eight hours, and that wasn't um, that wasn't like something that was unheard of anywhere you go in Nashville. Derek and I for the last couple of years on Friday nights um, before Paradise Park closed down, we played eight out with two different bands, back-to-back sets um, of music that was all over the map um, with singers that had a set list of songs that could rival anybody's repertoire. And we got to play in a setting that was conducive to uh, partying and we would play long sets together with great bass players uh, and and great performers um, and be able to dig within the music that that's that doesn't happen everywhere um, it's it's a cool thing that Nashville can afford to have it's sad that um, some of the really great venues in Nashville are closing down to cater to more of a weirdly classy hipster without sounding too derogatory um type of vibe 
you know, there's always going to be the great venues, but there are some venues that, you know, were a, a moment in time and they go up and they go out. But, you know, the nights that you can play at those places, you know, they're unforgettable. So I want to thank Derek again for like definitely being one of, you know, for coming on the podcast. But, you know, all the drummers in town that just make it so much fun to play music in, in Nashville. Is, I want to thank all of you. Uh, and a lot have been coming on this podcast. It's been dr- drummers galore on my podcast. So I promise to uh, vary that up a little bit. As you can tell, I'm getting more into like producers, um, which I want to do more of, obviously, because now this whole new wave of musician producers is so so awesome. Anyway, um, I feel like I want to give everybody like a whole list of things to check out. Like I said, check out Daryl Singletary. Um. And yeah, I'll talk to you next time.